following is an exclusive Disruption Network production. In the heart of East Utica lies Joey's at 307. That's 307 Mohawk Street. It's where the eclectic old school meets the new school cuisine. Dine in and enjoy some amazing seafood dishes, classic Utica Italian dishes, a revolving dinner menu, and even offering catering. Call them at 315-864-3527. Joey's at 307. You're going to love it. What's up, everybody? How you doing? I hope you're enjoying. Today's Wednesday, right? Yeah, it is Wednesday. I don't even know. Right? Yeah, it's Hump Day. It is Hump Day. (laughs) I hope you're enjoying your Hump Day. I hope you guys are doing a lot of humping out there. Shout out to my sponsors, EJA Moving Services, the professional movers. When you're ready to move and relocate, hit up Eddie and his awesome staff at 315-335-0516. Great service. They pack up your boxes. They give you the boxes for free, and then they bring those boxes wherever they need to go. They're an awesome, awesome moving company. So use them if you're ready to move your gym equipment, your studio, your mom, whatever. If you want, if you're moving yourself to another state, they will move you to another state. They'll move you to another freaking country. That's how awesome they are. Tell them Uncle Z sent you. Hit them up, ejamoving.com. Also, big shout-out to my boy Matt Grabsky over at Joey's at 307. If you guys want an amazing meal this week, stop over there. Go check them out. They're doing some delicious seafood meals. They're doing a revolving dinner menu. They're even offering catering. Give them a call today. Set up reservations because they're busy. They are very, very busy. 315-864-3527 is the number you can set up reservations with them. Also drinking Utica coffee today. We're drinking blueberry. Wake the hell up. And it's absolutely delicious. Oh, I love it. And uh, let me tell you, the wake the hell up absolutely fires me up. They've got different brands and different blends of the Wake the Hell Up, but this blueberry jacks me up. I turn into Cornholio. WakeTheHellUp.com. You can check them out online. Shout out to my attorney, Dave Longaretta. Give him a call today if you need legal advice. 315-735-6162. And also big ups to my friends over at the Saranac Brewery. Let me tell you, get into those seltzers, the green tea seltzers. They're delicious. they got blueberry, pineapple, watermelon. Absolutely delicious. I've been drinking them Every day, I feel like. Well, not every day, but like every weekend. Michael Phoenix Hart, back in the mix with me today, brother. It's good to see you. Yeah, good to be back, man. Thank you. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for uh, hanging with me today. I always enjoy our conversations. I I love coming over here. And I got to tell you, man, you have... It seems like the way the universe is working out that you've come in at the right time. Mm. Because right now, I am so tapped in to the universe and the way it's been with me lately. Um, I can... I've been dreaming... And dreams have been coming true. I've been seeing things. I've been connecting with people in my subconscious. Nice. Uh, I've been thinking about people, and I see them the next day or talking about somebody, and they'll text me instantly, and, and it's just, it's not forced. It's, it just happens. It's just I'm really, really tapped in. Yeah. And so with you coming on today, maybe we could get to some of these answers for me. <laughs> you know? Um, and so let's, let's tell everybody your background a little bit. So you are a shaman as well as a medium. Yeah. Yeah. Um... 
So I was born a medium. Uh, you're, uh, it's usually something you're born with. Uh, you can't really... Uh, I mean, you can learn some medium skills, but you're born a medium. That's just the thing you're born with. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's uh, three generations that uh, I know of in my family that I can trace of uh, mediumship in my family. Wow. Um, and as being a shaman, <clears throat> um, I think it was probably 12, 13 years ago, I met my first, sham- my first uh, shamanic teacher, and she came from um, the Andes. Um, and she left, um, she left South America um, as an expat. Uh, she had to leave the country. There was some stuff going on. She changed her name, all this stuff. But uh, I had some premonitions, and I actually had a dream of this woman. And I was teaching some classes in Syracuse out at the old Seven Rays. And uh, that night, I forgot what day it was or what year or whatever it was, but uh, she popped, she was, I went to close the door to lock up for our meditation night, and uh, there was a South American woman standing there. I said, hey, can I help you? And she turned around and looked at me, and she goes, hello, Michael. And I was like, holy shit, like, I saw you last night in my dream, and we had this conversation. And then from there, I trained with her for, uh, you know, two or three years, um, learning her ways. She was passing on some knowledge to me. And then in a similar fashion, I met... Uh, Another man uh, by the name Jade Wa'ugregori, um, and years later I traveled to South America, down to Costa Rica, and I trained with him, and I've been training with him for the last 10 years. Um, and uh, I've been training with uh, some Siberian shamans as well. <clears throat> and so I have been engaged in this shamanic training for the last 12 years of my life. Um, and all the shamans I've met are mediums. Are they? Yeah, because... They kind of intertwine with each other? Yeah, you know? I mean, they're communicating with the spirits. Gotcha. Um, so there has to be that mediumship quality there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I want to just say that when I say that I'm a shaman, I am not culturally appropriating Native Americanism. A lot of people hear shamanism and they think... Native American. Mm -hmm. That's not the case. Um, Shamanism exists in Tibet, uh, Mongolia. I think Tibet. Right. It exists um, in Siberia, South America, um, and the Americas. Um, So when you hear the word shaman, most people tend towards Native American, and that's not true at all. And shamanism doesn't belong to any peoples. And it doesn't belong to any religion because it's not a religion. Uh, shamanism is a way of life. It's a way of living. And anyone that is a shaman, like, lives that lifestyle. It's part of who they are. Um, you can't just be a shaman on the weekend. Right. Uh, you're a shaman 24-7. They don't give you, like, a certificate or anything, right? Yeah, well, when I was training, any of the shamans I've trained with, you know, they, they would take, like, a group of people off into the mountains or whatever and train them. And, you know, you'd have one person go are we getting a certificate for this? And they'd just laugh and be like, <laughs> and they'd go, I don't have a certificate for it. Like, you're not getting a certificate. They don't give out certificates. Did you have a graduation party? There's no, no. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess we did. I mean, when I was in Costa Rica trading with Jade, we, we had a nice chocolate stout beer and some popcorn, and that was kind of like our graduation. And, yeah, so I guess there are some celebrations. But, you know, no, there's no certificates. No certificates. No, at all. Cer- no certificates for being a shaman. Yeah. It's, so how do you how do you go through the process? Is there like a a psychological examination? Is there like like what's the process of becoming one? 
So uh, you have to die. That's it. It's pretty much it. You have to kill your old self. No, you literally have to die. Like you have to have experienced death, like have had died in this world. Um, And I died when I was 14 in a car accident, passed over, had the, you know, life review, all that stuff, got absorbed into the oneness of everything and received past lives information and all that, and then was woken up (gasps) abruptly in the back of an ambulance when somebody was setting my femur because I broke my femur in a car accident. Uh, My whole family was in this car accident, and we got hit head-on by a uh, yellow... um, Corvette at 70 miles an hour. Oh, wow. And so uh, me and my father both died and passed over. And, uh, you know, then I was resuscitated. And, uh, you know, for years, it was just this thing that was in my mind. And then over the time, I started to read about near-death experiences because it was seriously a... uh, People call them near-death experiences, but they're death experiences. Um, And so you have to actually die like that to be recognized by most, by most of my teachers, you'd have to die like that to become a shaman. Rather, it's dying from some circumstance, um, or uh, in some shamanic cultures, you can be forced to kind of take the death. You can be forced to exit the body and have a near-death uh, experience. Um, but that's not something that they, they really do. Okay. Do they ask you this? Like, have you died before? No, I mean... mean, Like when you're going through the... Yeah, I mean, so you can train with any shaman, right? You You can find any shaman and train with them. To be recognized and to be a shaman, you don't get to adopt that title. Your community that you serve and the people that you live around, they recognize you and they start calling you shaman. Copy that. Once that happens, then you can be like, okay, I'm the shaman for this community. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not a thing that you can just go, I'm a shaman today and then take some classes and courses and workshops and call yourself a shaman, which is kind of common. You know, people do. And there's great schools online and stuff that you can learn a lot of amazing shamanic practices, but... You're not, you don't get to label yourself a shaman. Somebody tells you that you're their shaman. Somebody, your community that you serve starts calling you their shaman. And when that happens, then, you know, now you can hang your shingle because, you know, you've been recognized. So So what's the day-to-day practices of a shaman? Uh, Every day, communicating with the spirits, giving, uh, living in gratitude, um, you know, maintenance. (laughs) There's a lot of maintenance when you're a shaman. You have to always be considerate of the spirits of the land that you live on. Um, You have to be um, considering your tools and everything else. Everything is, um, it's about, it's a path of power. You're working with the forces of the cosmos and of the soul. So you have to be mindful of these things all the time. Um, my day-to-day is I wake up, I have coffee, uh, I usually have a cigar or I have a small tobacco pipe, and I, uh, I pray with tobacco. Tobacco is like a sacrament to a, a shaman. And not like Marlboros or Newports. No, right. that's absolutely nasty. Right. <laughs> and I don't smoke. Uh-huh. So it, when you see me with a cigar, you might think, oh, he's a smoker. I don't smoke. I don't inhale any tobacco. Uh, the tobacco goes in my mouth. I mix it with my prayers. <clears throat> and then I exhale it, and I give it to the spirits. Um, I imbue it with the power that's necessary for me to communicate or for them to work or whatever I'm doing that day. 
So my day-to-day starts out with coffee and tobacco. Utica coffee most of the time. There you go. A uh, big, big old cup of cannoli and uh, a nice <laughs> cigar in the morning, doing my tobacco prayers. Um, and then I sit and I, um, most of the time I go through the process of entering a neutral state, uh, which means me connecting to the earth, replenishing my, my body with the earth's energies, connecting to the sun, the solar masculine energies, replenishing myself with that, moving into a state of neutral being, uh, a state of awareness, if you will. Uh, and consciousness and awareness are different in this um, context. So consciousness would be the waking, active, judging, discerning, uh, thinking about the future by looking at the patterns of the, fa- uh, the past, and awareness being that neutral state of observing and not being active. Mm-hmm. And so I usually do this, and I move into a state of pure awareness where I can just be. And it's interesting because if you've ever read any Buddhist text, you will, you'll notice what I'm talking about, the state of pure awareness, uh, is something that in um, Dzogchen they talk about quite a bit. Um, it's kind of like some of the highest teachings of the Dzogchen is to uh, recognize yourself as pure awareness. And this is you becoming yourself, your true self. Or, you know, I guess you could say it's you becoming your Buddha nature. In the shamanic world, we don't talk about it like that. You just are. You are the true self. You are the natural self, that pure awareness. Um, it's hard for people to find their true awareness, huh? It, it, um, of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's most... most day-to-day struggle. Yeah, most people relate to just being this body. And, you know, right. this, this is why the shaman has to die. Because the first thing that, the first realization you have when you die is that you're not the body. There is a form of consciousness that exists. You are aware of a, a world and engaging in something that's not the physical reality. And so this is why you have to die. Is because once you have that realization through death, when you come back here, there's no doubt in your mind that you are not this body. You've had a full-on, real conscious experience of another universe and still being you. You still exist. You have not lacked existence from the moment you died to the moment you come back. You're still always existing. And so this is the major trait of the shaman. He has already had this experience. He already knows this to be the truth. And everything from there becomes his process, his work. Um, and so he knows the soul because he is the soul. He's not the body anymore. He's just the soul. Us being humans are always adaptable to negative energy. How do you fight off negative energy? Um, I laugh. Laughing yoga helps, right? Oh, then there's a reason why that came about. Yeah, laughter. I mean, negativity. I mean, you have life negative and life positive. Nothing is really evil or pure good, but you have these states of being that you can experience. Um, And really, it's just about shifting that awareness. Because wherever you focus, all of your power, all of your energy, all your consciousness is going to go in that direction. And you will experience that which you are focused on. And we focus on stuff all day long by default. 
focus about our stresses, focus right. about our problems that haven't even existed in the future yet that we think we're going to face. We're focusing on the past that we should have let go of like three days ago. Um, and because of that, like you're always existing in this tumultuousness. And that's why, you know, the daily process of becoming pure awareness, you're completely disconnected from all those things. And not overthinking. Not overthinking. Staying present. You just are. Uh-huh. See, and that's an interesting thing that we have to, if you want to spiritually really get in deep, you have to look at the fact that, A, you exist. And you have to start contemplating what does existence mean. Mm-hmm. And, B, you have to contemplate being what awareness is and being in complete awareness and being existing at the same time. And this is what probably all the great spiritual teachers are teaching. It's you are an incorporeal being of pure awareness that has always existed. And if you can just shut the hell up for a minute, you can just sink into that. Leave the body and just experience that incorporeal you. And when you do experience that and you come back, you'll feel constricted in this body because you're so much bigger. As John Mayer says, I'm bigger than my body. I love that line because it's true. You're so much bigger than this physical existence. And so negativity really is just the state of being you are existing in by focusing on that thing. So laughter is an easy way to just pull yourself out of the out of the slough and just be back in that that true heart-centered awareness again so laughter is always good but you know we do ourselves a disservice most of the time we put ourselves in these bad places true we go to the environments we know we're not good at right we do the things that we know aren't good for us and you know some of us as we get older we get wiser and realize i can't do that if i go to that place i'm going to do the bad things i don't want to do And so this is self-awareness. And every human being, if you can just be mindful of what's good for you, what's not good for you, you can move into a place where you stop experiencing those things. It's uh, the old maxim of the Oracle of Delphi was always know thyself. And the first thing you have to come to realization is, is who are you? What are you doing? Uh, You have to observe yourself. You have to look and see, what am I doing that... It's causing all the suffering for me. I can, I have the power to move out of the suffering if I just stop doing that and focus on what I actually want to experience. Throughout this Corona coaster, I'm sure you were pretty busy with readings and whatnot. Were people coming to you for advice or? And, yeah. 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 At first. Uh, How was your Corona? Yeah. <laughs> right. At first, it was just like crickets. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, there's gonna be if there's a lull like that. There's going to be a huge, like, uh, tsunami afterwards. And, yeah, so I've been busy. Yeah, since. sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, so a lot of people, you know, a lot of people are waking up, making new choices. They've had time to think. They've had time alone. They've had time to reflect. They've had time to look within and soul search, which we live in a time and an era where that's just not possible, even if we want it. I mean, I've, I've held meditation seminars for you know, the last 10, 12 years in different places all over the country. And you see people, they come to meditate, like, it's just so hard to meditate. And it's like, it's not hard to meditate. It's hard for you to shut off your mind. That's me. Because you're so used to just going. And here's the thing. The truth is, is that you think motion is life. 
And that if you're not moving, you're not living. And the thing is, is that you have existed since time itself existed. And when you die, you'll keep existing. And you'll be conscious of that existence. Right now, you've just forgotten. There's a veil when you pass through um, from life to death, and you just kind of wipes the mind clean. And only people who have really attained a form of self-realization, they realize that I'm not this, I am the soul, and they are established in that identity, not this identity. They're established in that identity as the soul, as the self-existing, self-arising, always existing incorporeal self. When you're established there and you take rebirth, you will actually keep your memories. And this is how, you know, a lot of people in the Buddhist continents and Tibet and the Hindu lore, they recognize people who have been reborn. They literally give them like their old clothes or their bowl and they go, hey, this used to be my bowl when they're like eight-year-old kids. And, uh, you know, serious. Um, there's actually a, uh, a government program that uh, does a whole thing where they research these kind of rebirths in America of these children who remember their past lives. And there's, I think they've been doing it since 1940. And there is so much information in America to show that people have had past lives. Who, and it has nothing to do with religion. It has everything to do with the, the continuity of the soul and consciousness or pure awareness as the soul. And uh, there's so much proof that this exists. And that's because these people have such a connection to their last life and they've achieved some sort of uh, awareness of being established as a soul that they actually remember their past life. They come back with those, with those experiences and those moments. Wow. Yeah. So when you're established in that, you don't lose your, your memory when you come uh, through the veil into existence again. Right on. I want to talk about you communicating with the spirits. And so when you're communicating with the other side, is it mentally draining for you after you're done? Um, it's a little bit of all three, mentally, physically, and emotionally draining. Yeah. Is it something like after you're done, you have to go to bed and, and just tuck it in for a little while and um, I, you know, recharge? What, yeah, when I was, when I was younger, <clears throat> that would be the thing. I would sleep a lot. Yeah. You know, my, my parents and my doctor thought I had mono like 10 or 15 times throughout my life, but I didn't. Um, it was literally I was just wiped out from, you know, this communication. But these days, um, I've trained in some Taoist practices um, internal alchemy, martial arts, internal alchemy, like Qigong and Tai Chi Quan and stuff like that. And that helps. I do those practices to replenish. But the shamanic work itself um, is built on power, right? And so the ways I've been trained in the shamanic world is I can actually take more power than I need to actually do the work I need to do. So it taxes that field of power and not my full reserves of power. So I can gain more power to do that work these days that I didn't have when I was younger. Um, so, but it is taxing. Even, I mean, even when I do do all those practices and, you know, I do some readings for some people, um, you know, if it's, uh, if it's a really bad reading, like, you know, sometimes a suicide or a murder or something like that, then, you know, 
that stuff emotionally taps me too because I'm sure. you know I'm sitting in a place of of apathy for that person. I'm like, wow. I mean, that's got to play psychiatrist yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, I walk away from those things, and you know, I go from the studio where I work and the, into the house, and the wife's making dinner, and and she's like, hey, how was it? And I was like, I'm gonna need a couple minutes, and then I have to go in another room, you know, quiet myself, pull myself out of disconnect from those things and then you know it can be back to normal but yeah that stuff is very taxing and you know i'm in a place now where i have a great wife who supports all that stuff and understands these things but you know that's that was tumultuous for most of my relationships you know Mm -hmm. Um, most people most of the people i dated they would be like well you're so disconnected and like i kind of have to be at some point so um, cause I've, you're so connected. Yeah. Cause you're so connected. Uh-huh. Like you, the, you have to like have those detached periods. Um, you know, most of the time I'll do a week to three week retreats where I don't, I turn off everything and I just, I meditate for two or three weeks straight and don't do anything. Like nobody sees me. I go on a strict diet. I just lock myself in the house and meditate all the time. And, um, that's stuff that's, that's stuff I need to do these mm-hmm. days. You need to do that kind of stuff if you do this kind of work, for sure. We have some people checking in on Facebook. And if you are watching on Facebook, if you could do us a favor and click the share button, help spread the word of what we're doing here on the D and, of course, the practices of Michael Phoenix Hart. Gina wants to know, is his ability, can he turn it off or does he receive messages even when he's not intentionally trying to communicate with the spirit? Can you shut it down? Um, no. no. <laughs> I, I feel like no, no, no medium I've ever talked to can shut it off. Yeah, it's, it's not a, that, that's not a thing. Like, you can't shut it off. Mm-hmm. And so, but what, a, what um, you know, my, gra- my great-grandmother, who was a, a Polish medium, um, she, she's the one who kind of, like, trained me from the spirit world in this as I was younger. And she said to me one day, she's like, you can't turn it off, but you can ignore them. And so that's where, that's where it turns into like, nope, I'm closed today. I am not taking any spirits. And they'll just stand in the room and mill around until they disappear or come back later. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, no, you can't turn it off, but you can ignore it. And, you know, I'll be like, uh, like you know, you'll see me. I'm a normal guy. Uh, I play in a band. I do normal things. Yeah, we've known each other for years. Right. I, you know, I, I, I never even knew you were a medium. Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not many people do it. It's, it's not. It's not really an easy thing to spot. But right. you know, when I'm out at uh, you know go out to a bar to have a drink or with my wife or something or meet some friends, you know, somebody um, who just lost a loved one, like that loved one, will be standing right next to him, and that that spirit will turn and look at me and start walking at me, and I'll just mentally be like, nope, and they'll just stand there looking at me all night long, and you'll see me like. Like doing some stuff like this, like looking out of the corner of my eyes and just staring for a minute or staring at the ground. And somebody would be like, you all right? And I'm like, oh, no, yeah, I'm fine. And that's because this person is like adamant and they're coming at me and I got to do a couple things to make sure that they know there is a boundary there. And if they want to talk later when I'm home or I'm meditating, they can come follow me back there. Um, Yeah, you can't turn it off, but you can choose to uh ignore it and just be like nope i'm closed today do you find spirits attach themselves to you like even if you're not in that environment like you're saying you were at a bar and they want to communicate with a loved one do they jump in the car with you and like take off with you yeah they don't they can't do that anymore no um the stuff that i do inhibits any spirit from actually doing that really yeah no they can't do that they can't attach themselves no they can't attach themselves to me um, and I, how's that? Is it, is it like some kind of practice that you're doing? Yeah, no, number one, um, I live a pretty clean lifestyle, so I don't engage in things that give me a lower vibrational pattern, a lower frequency. Um, so 
first of all, they would have to be of uh, a high frequency to even be able to come into that because the energy that I hold is very solar. It's very like, um, you know, uh, it's very solar. It's very powerful solar energy. It'd be like getting close to a sun. And so the spirits don't really want to be in that for too long um, if they got some unfinished business here, because that'll instantly, you know, make them move right into the light and be absorbed into the afterworld. So most of them don't want to be around that for too long. Um, not to mention my practices. You know, uh, my home is a very magically consecrated place. Um, if a spirit is there, uh, we were talking before, I got a bunch of orbs and stuff on video that I put on YouTube. All of those spirits are high vibrational spirits, high frequency spirits. They're not just mundane spirits floating through. Um, they're ones that um, have an exceptional high frequency because my house is very uh, magically protected so that no unwanted spirits can come in there. And you have to do that. Um, there are some mediums who probably don't know those practices who just have spirits coming in and out. I used to have that happen all the time. I used to live in the city between two mortuaries and four churches. And by God, I had spirits in there every night to the point my wife would just like start seeing spirits because they were there, you know. Um, and your, is your wife tapped in? My wife is tapped in. Yeah. She, she's, she trains with uh, a lot of my teachers now. Um, so she's undergone a lot of the same training because, you know, you just kind of have to if you're if you're married to me, like <laughs> weird stuff's going to start happening. And, um, you're going to have to f- quickly figure out what's going down yeah. so, so you know how to deal with it. When you were dating, is that something you have to get at? Out of the way, like hey, listen, right this away. is right away. Right it's something you need to right away. You know whether you accept it or not. This is how I am, and yeah. that's cool that your wife actually accepted it and yeah. has gone the distance with you. It's very cool because uh, she's had some really sketchy experiences. I'm sure, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and when you don't think of yourself as being a person who can actually experience those things, it's kind of really paradigm breaking to experience those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had one night when we were living in Anida that. Uh, I was uh, uh, falling asleep, and I was uh, astral projecting from my body to go do some stuff. And as I was, I just looked at my wife real quick, and I saw this weird spirit in between me and her. And he was, like, curled up on her. And uh, I took a good look at it, and it looked at me like, oh, shit. And before I could banish it, it jumped off the bed and ran to the end of the bed where there was a big wall mirror, and it went right through the mirror. And the next morning, I told my wife, when we went and looked at the mirror, there was a handprint and a, uh, the whole side face smushed onto it as if, like, you know, like a child put their handprint on it. And we looked at it, and I started laughing, and she was laughing. Then all of a sudden, her laughter went to, uh-oh, like, just, like, her face went white, realizing, holy shit, there was something in this bed last night. Um you know, so that's the oh, kind. Of, wow. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that she's uh, she's experienced. That's been like kind of ha- had to shift the psychology of you know this stuff is really happening. The incubus is that what they're referred to as? Like mm, this one actually was um, it was a nature spirit. It wasn't um, it wasn't an incubus or a succubus. Succubus. It, um, this one actually looked exactly like Dobby from Harry Potter. Oh wow! Yeah, it was a little hobgoblin creature, and it it was like in love with my wife, and like really liked her and all her energy, and so it was hanging around. <laughs> Crazy! I have a couple questions out there. Uh, Vicky wants to know she went to talk to Sylvia Brown before, and everything she said was wrong, so she don't believe she's real. What's your opinion? There's a lot of there's a lot of scam artists out there that are yeah. in this 
industry. That's very true. There, there's a lot of scam artists, and then there's people who have abilities, but they don't know exactly what's happening to them or how to control those things. They have no training in that. They've read books, and they have some kind of ability, and so it's haphazardly. Um, Sylvia Brown, uh, I remember growing up and seeing her on TV and stuff. Um, Sylvia Brown, uh, I, don't, I don't talk bad about other people. So what I will say about Sylvia Brown is that there was some controversy around her. She actually developed her own religion type thing and wrote books about that and stuff. So I don't really, I can't really speak to rather uh, anything about that. But, I mean, there's, there's genuine mediums out there. There's oh, yeah. people who... Um, you know, you can go in and sit with those people. The problem is, is that some people go to mediums like myself and they just want to test me and see how good I am. Yeah. And like right away, you got a huge wall up, man. Like it's going to be very difficult. Um, and then there's people who, um, come to me and have no, they don't even know why they're there. They don't really want to be there. And then they're so open to the experience that it's like amazing for them. Um, you know, I've had people come to me that just saw John Edwards and, you know, they were like, well, you know, can you do that thing John Edwards does? And I was like, I'm a completely different person than John Edwards there. We might have similar fashions and abilities, but I'm different. Um, number one, I don't charge $800 an hour. <laughs> number two, um, John Edwards is a freaking really cool guy. And it, he is the way he is for a reason. Um, and when you go see him and then you try to go see another medium and try to get information about what John Edwards told you, you're, you're going to get a lot of different stuff. You're not going to always get the same exact stuff. I do have people that come to me and don't tell me they've just seen five other mediums before me. Mm -hmm. And then I start reading them and they're like, oh, well, that matches what the other five said. And oh. I'm like, holy shit, why are you here if you've went to five mediums to get the same information? You're not listening to something. Right. And so... You know, uh, yeah, so Sylvia Brown, uh, there's a lot of controversy around her. Um, that's, all I, that's all I really want to say about that. Do you do group readings or private readings, or you do both? Um, normally, uh, these days, I really only do uh, private readings. Okay. Or, you know, you can... One-on-one. One-on-one or, you know, a couple people at the same time. But I don't do the gallery stuff anymore. Um, that's really taxing. Is it? Um, very taxing. Um, and you can ask any meeting, medium that does gallery work. It's really taxing. Um, so, I mean, if people want to come in a group, I usually do like small groups and private. Yeah. Right. On. And how can they get in touch with you if they're interested? Oh, they can just go to michaelphoenixheart.net. My website's up there. It's got videos and information on me and, you know, background and all kinds of stuff, services, other things that I do. The shamanic work I do, a bunch of that's on there too. So are you busy? You got a lot. Pretty busy, yeah. Schedule full. Yeah, I mean, usually you got to book a month ahead of time for me. Oh, great, man. Yeah, great. Yeah, it's 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 good. It's it's good. So, are you picking up anything in here? Um, actually, every time I look at you, like mm -hmm. I'm just seeing like the top of your head is like glowing at this point. <laughs> um, <sighs> yeah, like so it was interesting when you started to talk about being tapped in because as I'm as I'm watching you as we were talking earlier, I could just see like the fact that you are open that like you're receiving a lot of that frequency now. Um, so more so than before you were here. Yeah, last time. Yeah, way different. Because I remember different. after. We were done. You're like, hey, man, I got to tell you, you know, you've, ha you've got this thing going on over here, kind of just sitting in the corner over here. And then you, you just pretty much explained my grandmother. Yeah. Is what the last time mm -hmm. you were in here. And I'm like, yeah, she's 
always with me. Yeah. I mean, I live in her house, you know. Which is which was interesting to hear right. after that. Yeah. Right. And and are you picking up on Ange today or? Um, not not really. No. Not really. Um, I mean, yeah, not not really today. No. Nothing. But nothing I'm glowing. Really. You're glowing. I yeah. love it. Yeah. I love it. That's a good sign too. When I when I. It's not just the light. No. I mean, I've literally met people in my life who they've walked by me, and then I took one look at them, and their whole aura just went wow in wow. front of my eyes, and I was like, "Whoop, gonna go talk to that person right now." Yeah. Um, and so. And it, when you do talk to that person, like, what what are you talking to them about? I just, you know, I try to start a casual conversation and then, and then, you know, steer that conversation towards something spiritual and see what kind of comes out of them. And then I just start, you know, hinting on what's going on. Um, I don't often approach people and tell them, hey, your, you know, your grandmother's over here saying something. Right, right. Um, you know, I, my standards and ethical practice is, you know, don't pry. I don't purposely try to look at people, their auras and other things and speak to their spirits without permission. Um, in fact, when I do do my readings, I always ask for your full name. So when you say your full name to me, that's actually a permission slip for me to actually look at you, to look at your life, your past life, remote view you, everything about that I can do now after I've gotten that permission. Um, I don't do any work without that permission. Um, and if somebody asks me, can you look at so-and-so? I'm like, absolutely not. Like, unless they call me and give me or give me written permission or something, uh, I can't actually, uh, I won't. I mean, I could, but I, I won't actually look at people or read them without their permission. Right on. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was the glare off of Z's head. <laughs> Do your loved ones go to other family members? Uh, what, what do you mean by that, mother? That's my mom, by yeah. the way. <laughs> do my family members go to other? Yeah. So, do you? How about do your family members come to you for advice? And because you you said you're what third generation medium here, mm -hmm. um, do you guys like have a conversation with one another? And yeah, um, yeah, uh, some of my family. Um, they definitely 100% know what I do, and I've had conversations with them. Um, before my dad passed away years ago, um, my grandfather had passed away, and we were sitting in the uh, sitting in the living room, and there was uh, a balloon that we brought back from the hospital that we had left there, and it was a, a helium balloon, and it was sitting in the in the living room, and we were all sitting there, and, you know, you know, pretty sad. Grandpa just passed away, and uh, all of a sudden, I like you know felt that feeling that I feel. You know, I get all tingly, my spine goes straight, kind of jerk a little bit. And then all of a sudden, like, I close my eyes, I enter that state of awareness, and then I see my grandfather standing there in my mind's eye. And he doesn't have his cane anymore, and he's just kind of dancing a little bit. And I'm just like, okay. And I said, so I opened my eyes, I said to my dad, I said, Dad, Grandpa's here. And my dad started crying, and he's like, what's he doing? And I said, he's, he's doing like a foxtrot over here. And he, my dad started, started crying. And he said, your grandfather loved to dance. And when his knees gave out, like, he was really upset that he had to use a cane or a walker to get around because he knew how to cut up a rug. And that was one of his favorite things to do. And right as I said that, the balloon that was in the, in the room in front of all of us dipped way down towards the ground and just moved all the way over towards my dad and then went straight up. 
and everyone's hair, like mine is right now, just stood right up on end. And we all just looked at each other, and then it turned into, like, you know, a Ouija board game. Like, Grandpa, is that you? And then the balloon would go up and down for yes. And so then we were just standing there. I mean, literally, he had just passed away, and we were communicating with him as a family. So some of my family members have experienced these kind of things. And, you know, there's no doubt about that uh, the family members come through. And my dad comes to me. Um, it took a while after he passed for me to be able to connect. It's very hard, um, even as a medium, to connect to your past loved ones. Yeah. Because there's an emotional barrier that's really hard to break. Is that something that would wake you up out of a sound sleep? Like, if you bump into your father and your subconscious? No, um, no, I, that doesn't wake me up. That's not the spirits that wake me up. Um, most spirits know to leave me alone, but sometimes they come and they touch mine or my wife's feet and that will wake us up instantly. Um, but my dad, when he comes through, uh, I get this overwhelming sense of like love, like this deep sense of love. And for most people, when they feel that deep sense of love, it sends them right into that feeling of grief. Because you're feeling that person again, and you realize, oh, they're gone. I can never be with them again. And you go into grief. And my father told me, and he said, when people do that, we step back. Because we don't want to cause them grief. Right. So we'll step back. And people often tell me, why am I not feeling my loved one that passed away? Are you still grieving deeply? Yes. Well, then they're going to give you some space because... When you feel them, you will feel them. You'll feel all the love that they now are in the spirit world. And that's all, that's all they really want to emanate to you is how much they still love you. And I, I tell people often in, in the shamanic sense that you can still carry on a relationship with those that have passed away. This is the whole point of the shamanic world. I'm in relationship with these spirits. I talk to them every day. Uh, I give them offerings. We hang out. We talk. They tell me things. I tell them things. So being a shaman is an active relationship with the spirits that no longer exist in physical form. And you yourself can be in that relationship still with your past loved ones. You can do things like um, leave out their favorite cigarettes and beer or and say, hey, Nana, nah, this is for you, and then sit in a chair and have the chair sitting there and say, I'm here hanging out. Give me some signs. Enjoy. There it is. That's for you. And then sit, quiet your mind, and wait and see what kind of things conspire because they still want to have a relationship with you. Of course. Yeah, and so you're never not in relation. The problem is, is that most of us don't understand this connection still. All right, there's a question out there. How do you recommend somebody coming to you for a reading and prepared? So you can just pretty much go to your uh, website, Yeah, right? you can just go right there and just book it. It goes right to the calendar and gives you the dates and times that are available for you to, to pick and book, yeah. Okay, so you say you were born a medium. Uh, so say you know the ability to connect with the spirits, but you belong to a religious tradition that frowns upon using that ability. How mm. do you suggest one goes about moving past that to tap into their abilities? I mean, you're gonna you're you're in a rock and a hard place. Yeah. I mean, if your if your congregation doesn't accept that, then you're gonna be in a real difficult space. Um, yeah. So I mean, I would just you're either going to have to probably leave your congregation or divulge all of it and then take the lumps that may come from that. It's, I mean, my great-grandmother, she was um, a Catholic, 
And, you know, they, they frowned upon what she did. Oh, yeah. They, I mean, they literally gave sermons about that. And she still did that. And she did it with a rosary in her hand, praying for mercy for herself the whole time. So she would re- connect to the spirits for all the locals, and they'd come to her, and she'd pray for that rosary because of the stigmatism that that's bad. But uh, we live in a time now where that shouldn't be the case. You know, this just, it's just way too open. There's so many people can choose so many religions and so many ways of life. Um, you know, really shouldn't be the case. Um, there's too much proof. There's too many, uh, there's too much proof that these things are real, that they're happening all the time. Um, I, I'm not part of a congregation, so I don't have that problem. But yeah, that's, that's a, that's a quite of a, a conundrum to deal with. Yeah. I mean, as we were raised, especially in this area, everybody was raised kind of Catholic, you right. know, and so, you know, you were taught to, all the guilt yeah, that the, the Catholic, Catholic guilt, religion yeah. puts on you, you know, and every religion, I feel, yeah. puts that guilt on you, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, practice the religion of love. That's true. And that you'll be much further in life instead of listening to what they tell you in the ceremonies, and then all of a sudden they pass around the basket and they want $100 from you. So yeah, it's I all mean, scam. Sorry. I mean, I mean religion. Don't was, get me started on religion. <laughs> religion was created to help people live good lives yeah. um, and not do all the bad things. Uh, it's a set of tenets and things. I'm not a religious person. I'm not into religion. Same. Um, I am, uh, you know, I do believe in God. I do, um, right, right. you know, not in, not in the Catholic God sense, yeah. but, uh, you know, I have my experiences, and that's all I can speak from. I yeah. can't. I can't speak from any of those religious places because that's not where I'm at personally. So, mm-hmm. um, but that's tough. I mean, if this is the kind of life that you are being pulled into, then I, I feel like you should at least explore it. You feel like everybody is tapped into the universe. Yeah, there's no doubt. And and how can how do you wake up somebody from that? Um. You, How do they get you can't wake, moment? You can't wake people up. Right. They um, got to do it on their own. Yeah. And so for most people, I will probably say 90% of people experience some form of spiritual awakening through a trauma. And as a shaman, most of the work I do is helping you regain that power you've lost from that trauma. Well, when we do soul retrieval, soul retrieval is you've lost this vital core energy, which is your vital life force that keeps you physically existing. And through traumas, you lose some of that energy, rather that's a car accident, blacking out from drugs or alcohol, um, you know, uh, some form of physical trauma from a loved one or something like that. Those things cause a loss of that life force. And when that life force is lost, you can't resonate in perfect harmony, which means what you go, you go through life just feeling like you're really not getting the full vivid color and experience of that. And so the shaman oftentimes is the person you seek to help you regain that so that you can come back to a harmonic resonance and experience the fullness of life. Um, you know, that's predominantly what I do um, as a shamanic worker. I love your words, brother. Uh, do you do past life regressions? I don't. A lot of people ask me that. I, I was trained in hypnotism. Um, I did hypnosis for a while. I got, I, got a, I got certified as a hypnotist. I did that for a while. Unfortunately, with my abilities, when I put you in past life regression, I go there too. And I don't really like experiencing everybody's messy past lives. I, you know, 
kind of clings to me and I've experienced too many lives myself. I, I don't really need to travel there. So I don't do that. I do know people who do that. So if anyone wants a reference, they can uh, message me and I will send you to some very, very um, good people that do that stuff still. Give me a good story about your mind being totally blown from your work. Hmm. Well, uh, when I was in Costa Rica working with my teacher, Jade, um, and you can find Jade uh, Gregory, uh, Jade Wa'u Gregory on Facebook. I highly recommend everyone check him out. I love Jade. Um, I have adopted him as my elder, um, and I've personally told him that. And he just said, okay. <laughs> um, I love Jade. Uh, he's like my grandfather. Um, and so please check out Jade on Facebook. He offers lots of teachings and classes online, in person. He travels. He does lots of stuff. Um, but when we, were, um, when we were training with Jade, there, uh, we were training and we were doing soul retrievals, learning how to do the soul retrievals. And I had retrieved uh, some uh, the vital life force I lost from the car accident I was in. It was the biggest... Uh, trauma of my life and so I retrieved all that and when I did and I opened my eyes and they came out like uh, the world was vivid like I had taken a, a whole bunch of LSD and I was just looking and the parrots were so colorful the the leaves were like breathing I was like whoa holy shit I took absolutely nothing but coffee this this morning and I was just and I walked through the whole day it was 12 hours of that experience. And I remember I sat down with my coffee at the, and I was looking at the beach and I was just in that pure awareness. And then all of a sudden, one of the other people in the group tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, you wanna go to dinner? And I was like, dinner, it's like 7.30 in the morning. They're like, it's eight o'clock at night, bro. And I was like, Holy shit! Wow. I've been sitting here and in, in, in this pure awareness. Like I don't, I have no recollection of time. I was just completely in pure awareness, eyes wide open. I can't imagine what anyone saw when they walked by me. I'm just like completely catatonic. So I was in this otherworldly state like all day long. Finally waking up with uh, one of my comrades tapping me on the shoulder and saying, "Hey, how about some dinner?" <laughs> Since you mentioned the acronym, I gotta ask, man, what's an LSD trip like for you? Um, I mean, it was it was normal. Yeah, you know, it was normal. It's the same as it was for everybody else. Yeah, um, you sure. <laughs> I haven't I haven't taken um, I haven't done any of those things in a long time. Um, but uh, it's way, I guess it's different. It's gotta be because I'm you know, you know, cohorting with spirits. Right, I, I'm seeing spirits all over the place. Um, you know, other than that, it's pretty normal. Uh -huh. um, but I don't do it anymore. Well, what's normal to you, though? <laughs> yeah, what's normal? It's normal to you, right? Yeah, I mean, that, you know, that whole thing. Same here. I haven't done it in years yeah. and years, but it does open up your brain. You know. Yeah, and there's a lot of people that really have a moment of clarity when they take those things. In the shamanic sense, those those medicines are used purposefully for different reasons, uh -huh. <laughs> but. Um, you know, it's not the way to be spiritual. Right. It's not the way to be spiritual. They are, they have a purpose. And each, each plant, each medicine has a spirit. And if you are not in good relation with that spirit, you will have a very bad time. Um, you will get sick. It will do all kinds of bad things to you. 
um, you know, even cannabis, it has a spirit. Yeah. And people, like, abuse the hell out of it. And I've seen people that I know personally abuse the hell out of cannabis and then get in a car accident. And then literally... Uh, Judy from the Jade Fox one day said to my friend when we were 18, she looked right at him. He had just rolled his dad's truck, and she looked right at him and said, you've got to stop abusing cannabis. And then, you know, he didn't really listen, but, you know, I had the same thought. Like, the reason he got in that accident was the way he was treating that plant medicine. And that plant medicine was like, I don't like that. And it made hardship for him. So there's spirits everywhere. Uh, the sh- the shaman uh, the shamanic viewpoint is that everything has a spirit and moderation right moderation yep. respect respect right relationship is the nature of the shamanic um, lifestyle you have to and if you don't understand relationships personally as a human being <laughs> relationships to spirits uh, the earth plant medicines you're not going to have a good relationship there. Um, it's all about right relation. That is, that's how I live. Everything is right relations. Um, you know, uh, friends, friendships, you've got to keep some kind of connection. Most people are like, oh, my friend, you know, I haven't seen him in 30 years, but he's still my friend. He isn't. You haven't seen him in 30 years. You don't know what's going on with them. You don't have a consistent relationship. So keeping up with a relationship, you need to keep that maintenance. And this is why people start to see in their lives they have a small circle of friends. They don't have a large circle of friends. Their friends actually are close. They see them. They talk to them quite often. And that's because those are the people that you continue to engage with and keep relationships open. So you're in right relationship with those people. Are most of the people that come to see you for readings, are they grieving? Is it the majority of it? No? No. Um, it's a lot of different yeah, avenues? Yeah, it's all over the place. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, for those that think that being a medium is a superpower and it's all awesome, I mean, I deal with things like um, children dying. Uh, That's you know, be heavy. All the worst stuff you can think about life, it comes to my desk. Mm-hmm. You know, And then a lot of the good stuff, too. Some people come because life is going good and they want to see where it's going to go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've advised, you know, rich people on how to, uh, keep, um, to keep investing their money. Um, I've had people come to me uh, about divorce, everything you can think of. It's come across my desk. Um, and so some of it is really heavy. Put some money in my pocket, Michael. Yeah. Come on, let's go. <laughs> I need some scratch. Uh, yeah, we, yeah. There's there's some people um, who right now who have known me for years who came to me when they started their businesses and asked where they were going, and they now make pretty good money. Um, and all I say to those people is, don't forget me. You know. <laughs> Because, um, you know, it would probably be some bad karma being like, well, when you make $10,000, you have to give me 40, 40% of that. You know, that would be real bad karma. So I always just say, don't forget me when you're living in Maui on a boat somewhere. Call me up and invite me down. I'm flying you over, yeah, brother. That's all, that's all I ask, you know. Yeah. This is awesome. I really love enjoying when we have these conversations. We have always had great conversations and like i said earlier too i didn't even know you were medium to me you were the guy that used to play in soggy monsters yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know and then one day you came to me you're like hey i'd really like to talk about you know what i do yeah and and you came on and you blew me away that day and like here we are again and there's still a lot of people who have known me for years that don't know i do this stuff Mm -hmm. and again it's not something that i i 
really advertise to everybody, but I've had people's wives come to me for readings and then they go get their husbands and bring their husbands in and, and the husbands look at me like, I know that guy. He, he's not a medium. I went to high school with that guy. And then they sit down with me and then I tell them something that and you make I, them cry. Yeah. And they're just like, holy crap. Like, <laughs> you know, but, and you know, so that's the thing. You, know, you, you don't know. Uh, I'm a regular guy. I always, my, my catchphrase used to be when people ask me what I do, I would say that I'm a normal guy with a paranormal life. Uh, it's pretty much sums it up because you, you're going to see me. I, I like to go to a backyard barbecue, have a beer, and smoke a cigar like any other guy. But then at the same time, if you live in an area where there's been a lot of death, a lot, a lot of, I might leave your party early. <laughs> I might not stick around because there's a lot of heavy stuff going on there. Um, a lot of the house banishes and the stuff that I do is usually in colonial areas where there's been a lot of people who have died during colonial battles, Native Americans dying and stuff like that. And those houses are haunted. Yeah. And, you know, and that's all over Central New York. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's very uh, deeply rooted. Yeah. And with all the Revolutionary War stuff that went on around Lots here. Lots of stuff and, around here, yeah. Yeah, there's, I'm sure you pick up on a lot of that. Yep. Yeah. Do you go on, quote, unquote, ghost hunts? I used to do that stuff. I don't anymore because uh, my clairsentience is, like, seriously um, sensitive. Mm -hmm. uh, at the last ghost hunt I did, we went to uh, the Fort Herkimer house where the graveyard is and stuff. Wow. And uh, I was walking around the building with the team, and I thought somebody had ripped my kidneys out of my body. I fell to the ground. I, I thought I was dying. Oh, wow. And uh, they had to drag me away from the building, and the farther away I got, the better I felt. Wow. And um, I was just like, what the hell? Go I just didn't go there. And later, somebody approached me uh, a couple weeks later and said, uh, you know, because I was like, did somebody die right here from, like, internal injuries or something? And, like, the historian guy was like, no, 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 no. And I was like, dude, I don't know what's going on then. And, like, a week later, they came to me, and they said, the last caretaker of this place was fixing the roof and fell down exactly in the spot where you were standing, and he died from internal injuries. And so, like, I stepped on that place and instantly, wow. Um, and they said the last three caretakers there fell from the roof and died that way. And I was just like, never going back. <laughs> and there's a picture, uh, somebody wow. has it somewhere. I was asking my friend Tony Joy. Uh, there's a picture of me. Somebody was like, what are you looking at? And I'm looking up in this tree, and there's this big spirit sitting in the tree. And uh, I pointed to the tree, and somebody took a picture. And in that picture, there has to be over 30,000 orbs around me and in that tree. Whoa. There were so many spirits. Uh, a lot of them were Native American spirits that were pissed off, um, and a lot of them were colonial spirits that were buried there as well. So um, I wish I still had that picture. It's probably it's the craziest. The orbs are different colors, too. There's red ones and blue ones and white ones. You can see faces in them. It's, it's cr the craziest orb picture I've ever seen. Um, so I'm trying to dig that back out so I can post it for people to see. Do you do home visits? Um, or do you want people more to come to your studio? Yeah, yeah. Um, my studio is set up in a way that uh, I don't have to come to your home and experience all your vibrations there. So, like, when you come to my house, that all has to be dropped. And so my studio is nice and clean and purified that way. Um, I do do home visits on occasions, like, for home, uh, home banishings or blessings or um, sometimes if, you know, other things that I do, I, I might do those, but... 
Um, it costs a little bit more for me to come to you than it does for you to come to me. The travel expense. Yeah, there's got to be. There's yeah. always a travel expense. Yeah, is that but, something maybe you do like a, like not like an exorcism, but like uh, a home cleaning or? Yeah, I do that quite often. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, I do uh, land banishings and, and consecrations too. What's um, the process in in that situation? Well, first I got to go there and see what's going on, mm-hmm. and walk through the home, check it out, see who's living, what spirits are living with the family, because everyone has spirits living with them. Um, see what spirits are living there. See if they need to be pacified in some way. If they want to get something out. If they feel guilty. If they need to connect. We do all that stuff. And then I go see what spirits are living on the land. Uh, there was one woman who they've lived there for years, and it looked like they just moved in because the ground looked like a recent development. She's like, it's been like that for 10 years. No grass will grow. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's a bad sign. So I went through the house, and then I, I went and talked to the spirits. And when I started talking to the spirits, they, they took me back in time where some colonial soldiers were traveling through the area and stumbled upon um, a sweat lodge going on with some of the native inhabitants. And they kind of like ran into each other and were like, oh, shit. And it just turned into like a bloodbath where multiple people died. Whoa. Um, so I, had, I did a lot of ritual and ceremony to appease the spirits. And, you know, I told the, the homeowner that she needed to do X, Y, and Z. And I taught her how to give the offerings to keep the land good. And when she did, all the grass grew back within a month. <laughs> Not just that, but hops grew there. And hops was indigenous to New York. The, the natives used to grow a lot of that and trade with it. And so a lot of hops grew. She had a fox and a turkey that she took a picture of that were, like, ne- like sleeping next to each other in the broad daylight. She had eagles landing on her house. So, like, the ceremony obviously was a success. Huh, and it's amazing. And I said, anything you do here, you have to give this offering. If you're going to build the structure, you got to do this. She, she, her husband decided to build a huge barn and didn't do this because he didn't believe in it. He was like, whatever, it's all hokey. Um, and she came to me like a week after he put up this new barn and she said, he just bought a brand new truck and we can't find the car keys. Can you locate them? I'm like, you know, normally I don't do this thing, but I know you, you've been a client for a while. I'm going to help you out here. So I started talking to the spirits and (laughs) one of the spirits came to me and said, this jerk put up a barn even after you said, give their offerings and we're pissed. We want our offerings. They did exactly what we told you not to do. And so he told me where the keys were, and I said, the keys are in a bag of bird seed inside the barn that you just built. And she's like, we looked everywhere in all the open bird seed. I'm like, it's in the top one, and it's not open. And they didn't believe me. They went back. They got this big bag of bird seed. They cut it open. When they poured it out, the keys came out of it. And after that, he was like, Okay. They tear down the barn? No, he actually, they started giving offerings, and he started having lots of spiritual experiences there. Saw green lights glowing in the, in the evening, uh, spirits coming directly out of the ground and stuff like that. So, Amazing. Um, yeah, so, you know, give your offerings. You know, don't, don't, right relationship is a real deal. Like, wherever you live, you have spirits in your area. You have spirits in your house. You have spirits of the land. Um, you know, you have your ancestors. Uh, ancestry is so important. And us Anglo-Saxon people who are predominantly white, we, we feel we don't have an ancestry or it's not valuable, but it is. Because you can't experience anything that you are having right now. If you have a good life, like you and I do, we're, we're so blessed. Absolutely. But our, an- I see it every day. our ancestors slaved and sacrificed for us to even have the field of opportunity to experience this joy. 
And so I don't have to buy a house. My dad did. And I just bought my, the house my dad bought. I bought it off, you know, bought it off my parents. You're just giving me the chills right now. <laughs> and so I wake up every day, and when I look at my land, I look at my house, I look at all the wealth that I have, you know, and I'm not wealthy, but it's all wealth to me. Right. I have land that I can run around on, and I look at it, and I just I give my tobacco offerings, and I thank all my ancestors for however, whatever hardships they went through, whatever they slaved for, whatever they sacrificed for, whatever they gave, whether it was service for their country or they just worked their ass off 90 hours a week, thank you. Because without you, I wouldn't be actually experiencing this life this way. So I always give thanks in that way. Ancestry is important. Amazing. You just gave me chills when you said that. Yeah. When you're dead. Yeah, because you, you feel it. You, yeah. yeah. I do. Yeah. Um, you know, my family history, of course. And, mm-hmm. Very thankful for yeah. for my whole family, right. whether I get along with them or not. Right. You know, present, currently, or even in the past. Yeah. You know, I'm very thankful for where I am. And I say every day, Michael, I live a blessed life. That's and right. I, I got to do some of the coolest things. People would kill to do some of the right. things I got to do in my life. Same. And, um, and, and I'm very thankful. Yep. Very, very thankful. Uh, something we talked about before we went on air is Zoom. Mm, yeah. Do you do work over Zoom? Yeah, uh, I do readings and uh, what work I can do as a shaman, dis- uh, shaman distantly. I, is that hard for you? No. No? Uh, no, I mean, because all the work I do as a shaman is in the realm of the soul, Okay. Uh, which is existing all the time. You're there and I'm there right now. Um, you know, so all I'm doing is I'm just entering that space and doing that work, coming back here and going, hey, I just did that work. And then describing to you what it is I saw, experienced, and what actually uh, took place there. Um, but I do that work in person, too. Um, but I do this work uh, for people all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do it through Zoom. Uh, so if you can't travel to me from, for whatever restrictions, I do do readings via distance, and I do do shamanic work uh, via distance. So rather it's a, a healing, rather it's a, a reading, or rather it's some work on uh, your personal soul or, or um, spiritual body, uh, I can do all that distantly. Gotcha. I yeah. think it would be a little difficult to do it over, say, your iPhone or... Yeah, hopefully you have a good internet connection and a computer. Um, but lots of people do it on their phone or their, um, their little iPad. Um, all you really need is a secure connection and a quiet location. And I can do all that stuff. Everything needs to be nice and quiet. Yeah, I mean, well, we got to be relaxed. Yeah. You know? Got to have the right, the right participation. You can't be like swatting dogs and yelling at your kids when we're trying to engage in something, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no distractions. No distractions, yeah. Do you have social media tags you want to plug, too, if people can get in touch with you? I'm or on, just pretty much your website? Yeah, my, webs- my website has it all, but mm-hmm. I, I am on Facebook, Michael Phoenix Art, and uh, I have a YouTube channel. There's some limited stuff on there that I talk about. Um, yeah, there's a, actually a video up there of all the orbs um, and stuff that uh, were captured in my studio. We have countless footage of orbs. I pieced some of it together, put a little bit of cool music to it so you could... I need to see that. Yeah, well, you can watch like 10 minutes of um, a video of these different really cool celestial-looking orbs that are happening in the studio. Excellent. Yeah. And I was very happy to hear you're playing music again. Oh, of course. Yes, good. Yes. Yeah, and are you writing? You covering? What are you guys, What are you guys doing? We we do both. Uh, we do both. We have a lot of original stuff, and that's what we're putting together on the album that we're working on now. Plug the band. Yep, uh, Brothers Grim Band. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook. Um, we have we're having difficulties with our website, but we'll fix that pretty soon. Um, but Brothers Grim uh, on Facebook, you can check us out. We're playing lots of 
personal parties this year, which is really interesting and also awesome. Um, I, let's bring that back. Let's do. Yeah, yeah. Let's have right see. relation by everyone who has a good house and some some land. Throw a party once a year and yeah. invite your friends that play music and just like let's get together. That's the best vibe ever, man. It really is. Yeah, man. it really is. I love all the venues too. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely. I love all the great venues. The the breweries and stuff we play. Everything is great. But I love being with the people and that intimacy of like this is our backyard. Mm-hmm. You know. So I I like that a lot too. This past weekend, I was at Ray Brothers and oh, went to go see Sophista Funk. And I love the vibe that they got back there because it feels like you're in somebody's backyard. Yeah. yeah. You know, they, they have beer and food, yep. which is cool. But, the, you know, when you look past all that and look past the restaurant, you're in a big field. You are. With a great little stage. Nice stage. And, yeah, it's yeah. a great stage and, and yep. it's, it's a great vibe. And yeah. people are super cool up there in the, in the Balkville, Madison area. Yes. And it's just an awesome, awesome vibe. And I agree with you, man. I think we need to bring it back to that vibe, the back yard parties the the old sterling stage oh, vibes man. man how many time, how many great times do we have up there back in the oh, day oh my god i miss that kind of life like so much yeah. i mean you we essentially lived there for a week <laughs> right yeah oh yeah <laughs> people say what did you do in high school other than go to school i think i lived at sterling stage most of that <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure we hung out around the snatcher lounge a few times yes. at sterling stage yes. but uh, a lot of it i refer to as my blackout ears oh, yeah <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, there wasn't too much of me being tapped into the universe back then no. other than the, the acronym that we used earlier. Right, LSD. right, right. right. Yeah, <laughs> and psilocybin, of course. Yes. But great times, though. We did have a lot of good fun. Yeah, and man, I mean, we got to see some great people. Richie Havens. I yeah. mean, you talk about names. Like, Legend. Le- there were some people that played there that, uh, you know, I mean, John Brown's body. Dickie Betts. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, we saw people before they were as big as they are now. Yeah. Oh. John Brown's body. I miss that band so much. I wish they would do a reunion or get back together and they they still play but they don't no, have they don't yeah, they, 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 they don't, kind of pretty much broke up yeah they broke up um but it's just not kevin kinsella with them i mean they still play but it's not kevin kinsella no they broke with elliot they broke up yeah. oh really yeah they're, they're done they've I been did done not for know a couple that. years now so he's just doing like the black castle because i don't know if he's doing black castle or not and i wish he would because i love that album it was great but now what's happening tommy b the drummer yeah. he's in this band called dub apocalypse that oh, you yes. find them up and then he plays also in a band called the uh, B3 Kings. It's a little more organ-driven type okay. of music. And then uh, I, they're kind of all over the place. And I know Jason from the Analog Sons. Yeah, he actually, Jason, he yeah. kind of filled in for Kevin when Kevin left. Yep. And uh, now he's doing. He just came out with a solo album just the other day. Yeah. The Analog Sons were dope. Dope, too. bro. I used to have yeah. them at the EC all the time. They used to kill it for us. I tried out for that band. Did you really? Yeah. When I was living in Ithaca, yep. I, tri- I tried out. Uh, it's yeah, it's pretty it's a pretty nice time in my life. I tried out for the Analog Sons, and. Uh, Jason was like, okay, cool, bro, let's do it. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, how much do we get paid? And, you know, I got a house and stuff up here. And he's like, oh, that's not going to work you out. You ain't getting paid. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> he was just like, we don't make any money, man. If like, you're in a band thinking you're going to get paid, you better find a new industry to get into. <laughs> yeah. But John Brown's body's still heavy on my playlist. Oh, yeah, me still too. Huge. Me too. Huge. Yep. You know, they're that band that puts me in that happy place. Yes. I mean, they come on and instantly I get taken back to a Scotty Palooza festival <laughs> or a Sterling Stage Festival. Yes. And it just reminds me of these happy times, yep. these happy moments. You know, even when I booked one of the first bands I ever booked in my life was John Brown's really? Body at Captain Trips. No, oh, oh, yeah. And I had him at the electric company and stuff. Oh, so my God. It, it was like they just put me in this great place. Yeah. yeah I've, I always say this, reggae 
makes you happy. It does, you know? especially John Brown's body. Yeah, like there. Yeah, I mean, I got all their albums, and I play them in the shower in the morning, like get my juice going. Yeah, and yeah, I love, I love John Brown's body. And again, right, it takes me back to uh, Captain Trips and Scotty Palooza and Sterling Stage, like all those memories are, you know, they're 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 there. I was yeah. just telling a friend of mine the other day, it was just a couple days ago over the weekend, that John Brown's body at Scotty Palooza, I think it was 2002, I can't remember. Um it had rained. It was pouring mm-hmm. it. Oh, yeah. And everybody just flocked to the tent where they were playing. And they had just released their album. Uh, I think it was um, not Among Us, Among Them, or um, Spirits All Around Us. Yes. It was the album. They, they released it that night. And everybody, imagine 5,000 people in this little tent yeah. because they were avoiding the rain. rain. And the energy was going on in there. It changed my life. Yeah, it was nice. That changed my life, that that particular moment yeah it was like condensed like pressure on a diamond in that place and (laughs) nobody was trying to go outside that tent no and we were all like you're cool okay i'm cool let's just dance let's sweat on each other (laughs) right right. we were it was so you were so close i'm and i miss those are the things that i miss about uh music um most of all is those connections yeah you know, and that was, those were spiritual moments. Yeah. You've, you know, I mean, we, we are now the kind of people that like, when we go places, we talk to people at, at festivals and stuff. You know I mean? Where nowadays people are very disconnected yep. at music shows and stuff. Like, You're right. You know, and I can spot someone like you or me. If I, we went out and saw, um, uh, Tedeschi trucks last year, me and my wife, and uh, I was smoking a cigar and this guy walked by and he looked at me and I looked at him. He's like, Hey man, can I hit that cigar? I'm like, absolutely bro. And he like took, He's like, damn, that's a tasty cigar. And, like, it was just me and him, and there was probably, like, 100 people around. And I'm like, me and this guy on the same level, we've experienced the same kind of music. We're open to talking to people. And then you could see these other people looking at each other like, whoa, did those guys just, like, talk to each other randomly? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Everybody's so guarded now. Yeah, so guarded. And, like, you know, those are the days of real vulnerable spiritual connection in Mm -hmm. those music festival scenes. I mean, they were just organic and natural i love every every moment i had there was spiritual in my in my mind so in in my eyes those music festivals was my come up right if not for those music festivals i'm not booking shows at captain trips what led me to the electric company which actually led me in that here pretty much right and now you're you know? at over at the um at the stanley, at the stanley. Yep. Yeah. so if it not for those music festivals and like you said you know networking and, yep. and yep. talking and passing out flyers here check this show out check this All band time, out you know yep. and people tated uh, traded tapes with one another. Oh and, man! <laughs> I mean, it, it was a thing. It was, yeah. like, it was such a great community. Yep. You know, and and I agree with you, man. We need to bring that back. Yeah, I'm all about it, man. Yep. That's let's let's create that renaissance again. It's, it's so nice to have that genuine, authentic, organic connection with people. You know, indeed, man. And who doesn't miss that after the coronavirus? You know, right. Jessica saying, love John Brown's body. Everybody loves. Thank you, Jess, for checking in. And if you are watching us on Facebook, if you could just click the share button, it would help us immensely. You can check out Michael at michaelphoenixheart.net. Net. Yep. Dot net if you're looking to book an appointment or anything. This has been a great, it's always been a great conversation with you. We, we need to have you in often. Yeah, I'm, it's, like, it's like home. It feels yeah. like home here. <laughs> Good, man. Good. I'm glad you feel at home here. Yeah. But thank you so much for coming in and chopping it up with me. And thank you to everybody out there for watching. And uh, well, shout out to my sponsors. Can't forget the sponsors. Hang on. If not for the sponsors, this podcast is impossible. So thank you to EJA Moving Services, Joey's at 307, Utica Coffee, my attorney, Dave Long. 
Loretta and Saranac Brewery. Thank you so much. That's great. Staying busy, producing some content, and just, you know, trying to uh, spread the word of many different things going yeah. on, you know, and trying to base community relations as well. And Community it, is really important in my mind. And me too. We talk about music, or yeah. rather we're talking about spiritual community or, you know, local businesses, yep. like community is where it's at. Let's bring that back to the D is also the C, yeah. standing for our community. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Michael Phoenix Hart, much love to you, brother. Thank you so much for coming in. You guys all have yourself a good day, and I'll see you soon. Later. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to contribute and help with the cost of the producing this podcast, you can hit our virtual tip jar on Venmo at XYTODA. Please subscribe on all our podcast platforms. Follow, like, and subscribe All Things Disruption Network on social media. And visit our website, disruptionnetwork.net.